That song really hit me. Praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the dead. And that's our hope tonight, um, is that you can see what God has done in our marriage. Um, my name is Drew Guillaume. This is my lovely wife, Amanda. Uh, we've been married 17 and a half years. We've got three wonderful kiddos um, right there. The one on the left by me is our oldest, Maddie. She's nine. The one on the, I'm sorry, the right, switch it. Um, <laughs> The little one is Amelie. She is six. And then we've got a seven-month-old, and that's Patrick. That is our, our baby boy. So we are definitely very blessed. Um, and our hope tonight is to uh, share what our marriage was like uh, and how it was close to ending and how God snatched both of our hearts and made us his and saved our marriage. Uh, but before we get started, we'll give you a little bit of background on us. Um, I grew up in Dallas, and we joke in my family that I come from a long line of very angry Irish Catholic alcoholics. Um, most of the men in my family have struggled with alcoholism and explosive anger, as, as have I. I've been sober about 25 years. And while my parents remain married, um, I can't say that, till my dad's death, I can't say that they ever embodied a, a marriage that we would want to emulate. Um, I was raised in a small West Texas town, and we grew up a Protestant family. Um, what that looked like for us was we went to church every Sunday. We never really missed, but the other six days of the week, we lived for the world completely. Um, when I was in high school, my parents divorced following my father's affair. And um, in addition, on my family history side, there was a, um, just a pattern of depression and suicide, um, ultimately um, ending with my mom taking her life when I was 20 years old. So you, you, can, um, you can see how we had pretty big theological differences and backgrounds, and we also had a number of hurdles in our, in our families of origins that, that we needed to overcome before marriage, but yet, since neither one of us was truly uh, walking with Christ, nor did we have any sense of community, uh, we, didn't, we didn't see it, and so we were completely set up for failure. So I'll take us back to when we first met one another. Um, we were in our sophomore year of college at Texas Tech. Um, Drew was involved at the time with a Greek Bible study um, that he participated in, and I typically had class on those evenings, so I had never been. Um, but one week, my class was canceled, and a friend of mine invited me to go with her, and I did. Um, and little did I know, um, Drew and I actually had a class together, and he had been trying to find me after class and was chasing me down for weeks, and I would run off to my next class and had no idea. Um, he had given up trying to meet me the day before we were actually introduced at that Bible study. Um, so our mutual friend introduced us, and then another good friend of mine called me that evening after giving him my phone number, and she said, I don't know why I didn't think of introducing you guys before. You're probably going to end up getting married. So she called it, and she was in our wedding. Um, so we were quickly enamored with one another. And um, in fact, our first date, we end ended at a coffee shop there in Lubbock. And we looked up after a long, deep conversation and they had packed up a band. They had cleaned up and closed up shop an hour before. Um, and we had not even noticed because we were in such a deep conversation. Um, even though we met in a Bible study, we were not truly following Christ, either of us, um, nor would we have really even known what that looked like. We had no role models. Um, we were not actively attending a church and we were not seeking counsel from others. And certainly our families of origin, as you've heard, did not provide great examples. So while we were dating, uh, we had decided to keep our relationship pure, uh, which just meant that we weren't going to have sexual intercourse, but everything else was, um, you know, in play. Uh, both of us thought that this decision would honor God, and we ultimately later on decided to live together. 
Um, and while we still kept that commitment not to have sex before marriage, our physical intimacy really masked a lot of potential issues in our relationship. And because we were making these decisions in isolation, we had no idea how offensive our relationship was, uh, actually was to God. Um, the interesting fact is, is that we never fought. Uh, we had such strong feelings for one another. Uh, we had a great physical relationship. And so any potential areas to uncover or raise conflict by our, was just masked by our physical relationship and the overwhelming feelings that we had for one another. So Drew transferred to the University of Texas for film school, and I quickly followed a semester later. Um, when we were living in Austin, we had separate apartments, separate places we were renting, but I never slept at that place once. Um, in fact, um, I very quickly decided to move in with him. Um, at the time, Drew was really obsessed with school, and not much else really mattered other than success in school and his ultimate career. He didn't really pursue me. Um, there wasn't really a need to. He, I was already moving in. Um, we dated for over three years, and once we were engaged, Drew's aunt gave us the gift of a premarital counseling session with one of her peers. So to kind of set the stage, if any of you guys have seen the movie Meet the Fockers, Barbara Streisand is the embodiment of my aunt. They have the same hair, they dress the same, they have the same Mother Earth personality. And in the, in the movie, Barbara Streisand was a sex therapist. Well, my aunt was a therapist and the human sexuality professor at the University of Texas. It was quite unnerving. So yeah, there's that. So um, she had interesting ideas about marriage anyhow and about other things. So we really didn't go into that therapy session with a lot of expectation. Um, after hearing about our respective family histories, though, this therapist, um, you know, just looking at the men on Drew's side that struggled with alcoholism, the women on my side with depression and suicide, he, he basically looked at us and said, there was no reason we should get married. On paper, we were an absolute train wreck, obviously. Um, however, we just dismissed his opinion, thought he was a quack, and we just skipped right on out of there, our happy little selves, and never gave it another thought. Um, we got married in 1998, and our first year and a half of marriage was great. Um, but then Drew had a job offer to move to Los Angeles, and I did not want to go. Um, I was um, really reluctant. Um, Drew went out for six weeks, and I stayed behind um, just to see how things were going to go for him out there. And um, slowly and very reluctantly, I followed him. I felt resentful about leaving my family here in Texas and for leaving the job that I cared about in Austin. So my jobs in the entertainment business were, were tough, and they consistently got worse one after the other. Um, Amanda, on the other hand, was having great success with her work at the company that she was working for, and she became the breadwinner. And since resentments were starting to brew in the relationship, um, it started causing division between us. During this time, our finances were a mess. Um, we got into debt very quickly, only adding to our stress. Drew worked all hours, usually a minimum of 12 to 15 hours a day, sometimes six or seven days a week. He was rarely around, and when he was, he rarely wasn't present. Um, this is when great selfishness began to fester and grow for both of us. So conflict really started happening more and more frequently between us, and we had poor resolution um, and actually an inability to resolve conflict. And forgiveness never entered into the equation. Um, they, they just, things just kept piling up and resentments continued to build. And due to me not being comp present, completely wrapped up in this dream world of success in the movie business, um, Amanda started seeking and finding fulfillment and affirmation from her boss at work, which eventually led to um, an emotional affair. I was and am a longtime people pleaser, and I found affirmation and validation um, from my boss at a time when I otherwise felt really alone. Um, not excusing it, that's just where, what the circumstances were. Um, while things did not become physical with this person, I began to imagine what life would be like if I was with someone else other than my husband. 
So I started becoming very suspicious by the way that she talked about him and the time that, she, that they spent together. She also, she also shared things with me that he would say about me, like he doesn't know what he has and he doesn't appreciate her. Um, and I was fairly certain that something was going on between the two of them, but I never wanted to know the truth. I knew that if I had ever learned the truth that I was done, the marriage was over and I'd leave. And what I started doing is I just started internalizing it and, and I just seemed to grow angrier by the day. Lack of trust and resentments made our conflict grow worse and worse, escalating into huge fights and a pattern of always keeping score with who had done what to the other. We were both moving further away from each other. I moved closer to my boss and Drew's obsession with work increased. One Christmas, we each attended our office parties separately, not taking the other one. And that night I stayed late at my boss's house to help clean up. As we were spending time together, my boss asked to kiss me. And surprisingly, this caught me off guard and I was quickly frightened at where I was and where my life could go um, and what was happening in my marriage. I fled that situation and I let him know I was done that I loved my husband and I didn't want a relationship with him. I was a wreck when I got home and Drew was already asleep. And as I climbed into bed that evening, Drew was asleep and he said, I hope you're enjoying your affair. Um, I did not confess what had been happening to Drew. Some weeks later, after another round of arguments, we had a conversation and I said to Drew that if this is the worst, if for better or for worse, then I was done. Um, he, here I was, torn with running away from this affair, not wanting my marriage to end, but I was fed up and I had had enough and I felt like I just couldn't do it anymore. So as a normal pattern uh, in conflict, I left uh, that night for a while, but at the same time I realized that I was about to lose my wife, who I still loved very much. And we began couples counseling very quickly um, after that, but unfortunately this therapist was not great either, <laughs> um, and she gave us a lot of poor advice. Um, however, one thing she instructed us to do was when in conflict to hold hands, and I, that was the last thing I wanted to do. I didn't want to touch him really anyway, but especially when we were in conflict. Um, the only thing that we could agree on was that she was a really bad therapist, which was good because there was finally something that we could agree on. So we continued to try and work through our issues, but we were still completely lost. Uh, we had no community in our lives to help. Thankfully, we began searching for a church and finally found a church home. Uh, we started to learn what it was like to have a Christian life. Uh, both of us were learning to be less selfish, but we still couldn't resolve conflict or forgive one another. And still, neither one of us had truly accepted Christ. And I was still wrapped up in my workspace faith, and Amanda was still uh, living for others and, and their opinions of her. We were staying pregnant with our first child. She was born in California, and we quickly realized we needed to be back in Texas near grandparents, um, as many do. And um, I stopped working at that point um, to stay home full time when we moved back, but postpartum depression set in for me. Um, no longer was my... Sorry. Here I go. No longer was my identity and my job um, and work and any joy I could have felt was gone. I wondered if this was the beginning of my mom's downward spiral with her depression. We didn't know what we were dealing with, and somehow we muscled through it. But there was more division due in part to a lack of understanding for each of us. So it was that fall that the Lord brought us to Watermark, and uh, within five minutes of being in the worship center, we were both moved to tears, that there was something different about here. We, we felt his presence, and it was here that we started experiencing life change. Uh, by that spring, we went into community, which I was extremely reluctant to do. Uh, I was still wrapped up in Catholicism and my workspace faith, and I made a new friend here at Watermark who was a staff member, and he was discipling me, and he just asked me one day, do you still feel like you have to earn your way into heaven? And it was just a quick, yes, absolutely. 
And, and he shared Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 with me, which is, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. And I remember feeling like I was hit in the face with a two-by-four, that I finally got it. I finally understood that there was nothing that I could do to earn God's favor, to earn my way into heaven. And I left this church driving down LBJ in tears because I was just overwhelmed with what God has done. Um, and since that moment, nothing, nothing has been the same in my heart. Um, nothing has been the same in my life. And I began to train myself uh, in, in God's word and, and um, learn what it was like to trust Christ. Around that same time, I was going through CR, which is now regeneration here. Um, but I went through CR without confessing my emotional affair. Um, I excused it under the step that to confess it would bring harm to others. Um, so I kind of wrote it off um, under that safe little disclaimer. That spring, we were pregnant with our second child. And while we were still improving, we were also still struggling to resolve conflict with one another. During fights, Drew would still blow up and leave, often for hours. So I remember one particular evening that stands out. <clears throat> and I remember really spewing my rage on Amanda. And, and I was pointing my finger at her and just talking, with, talking to her with clenched teeth. So I was just enraged. And, and that's just a moment where all my anger and rage exploded. And my, my worst haunting memory that I have is, is her, seven months pregnant, absolutely bawling, collapse, collapsing up against the wall, falling to her, her seat, and I leave. And I left her there. Our second child was born and postpartum depression struck again, but this time we sought help. During that time, we also went through re-engage with our community group, and we began to learn how to resolve conflict biblically. We had to follow the most rudimentary steps in order to resolve issues between us. It felt contrived and stilted for us, but it was working. We were being exposed to others who humbly shared their own struggles, but also taught us God's word and how to apply it to our marriage and ultimately our lives. Through this process, I was finally able to confess my emotional fear to Drew. For nine years, I carried a lie and had pushed down fear. He had pushed down fear of much more happening between me and my boss. I shudder to think now how I lived in that bondage for that long of an amount of time. How can you be intimately loved by another when you're harboring a lie? Proverbs 28, 13 says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. I hung my hope on that truth. It was only because of uh, how God had changed our lives uh, were we able to work through the damage to our to, to trust in our marriage. Um, really, when Amanda confessed, I had three choices. I, I, could, I could leave. Uh, I could do the same thing that she did to me as, as a revenge, or I could forgive her. And um, God had been really changing my heart, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you have been forgiven much, so you must forgive Amanda. And that, that's what I did. I forgave her. Um, Looking back at God's perfect timing of what he did to, in our lives individually and what he did to our marriage, um, had she confessed that any time prior, I, we wouldn't be married, our kids wouldn't be here, our life would look completely different, but God's timing, his perfect timing and what he did with us allowed, allowed us to forgive, to resolve conflict, and work on our marriage. Not long after the confession, we joined a new community group. We faced new challenges, but we sought to be discipled and trained. We were both committed to abiding. We saw hope born out of our renewed trust in the Lord. We experienced continued life change only because of Christ. Community helped us live out Proverbs 19, 20, and 21, which is listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. Many are the plans, 
in a person's heart, but the Lord's purpose is what prevails. Our marriage was starting to be a place of pleasure, desire, and fulfillment as opposed to total division. We began serving most recently in Merge, a ministry for seriously dating and engaged couples, and we're amazed at how our life changes every time we go through that class with those folks. We're grateful for God's perfect timing and what, what could have happened if we gave up. Our children wouldn't exist, like Drew said, and our marriage would have been long over. This past winter, as you saw, we had another baby boy, and this time, I'm going to cry again. (laughs) I I do this, so sorry. Um, This time, we get to enjoy him together rather than being divided. Life isn't perfect. Um, We have since struggled through the loss of Drew's father, as he mentioned, to cancer, and we've had two miscarriages between our girls and this baby boy. Um, But we have hope in the Lord, and we have gone through those trials working together toward God and not against each other, which is amazing. Our story is a story of hope, what it's like to trust Christ and live in a relationship with him. If we could choose a verse that describes our marriage and our life now, it would be Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. God righted a ship that was absolutely on the wrong path for us. So I, I, I like to think of it as a triangle where you have me here, Amanda here, and God at the top. And when both of us started pursuing God, we started moving closer together. And that's, you know, we we could be up here and talk about all these examples. I want to be very, very clear that every bit of it has to do with what Christ did in our lives, had every bit to do with us pursuing God, that I I, I can't imagine the way Amanda had told me tonight when, when I told her that some of this stuff was really weighing on me, that that night where I'm pointing at her and she's collapsing that she thought I was going to hit her. And, and man, that just, that's the kind of rage that we had. We don't do that anymore. Um, I, I see her seeking God's word. She sees me seeking God's word. And yeah, we, we make mistakes all the time. I'm not the, the perfect husband. She's not the perfect wife, but we serve a perfect God and that he redeems all of it. And so our prayer and our hope for you, we don't know where you are in your marriage. If you're here to enrich your marriage or here to help your marriage, that that wherever you are right now, um, our hope and prayers that God would change hearts and change your lives, that he would draw you close to him so that you can draw closer together. God's design for marriage is oneness, and he is faithful in providing this in our lives. But we must run to him with toil and vigor. We must yield to the Spirit. We must be obedient to him, which is really where we find joy. God isn't trying to rob us Uh, through obedience. He's trying to give us the abundant life he promises us right now. Um, We want you to know that there's hope. Uh, No matter what you're dealing with in your own marriage, pursue Christ. Um, Submit to him and follow him, and he will heal you. But we have to be humble, and we have to let him heal us. So the the, the last thing is that song, that sin has left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. I see that in our marriage. We see it in other people's marriages who put Christ at the center. And we we want that for every marriage and for all of our lives. Thanks.